I V M. How many of us are scared of taking risks in life? The answer to that question is probably hundred percent of all of us, in some form or the other. But what if you knew that you could take as much risk as you can handle? Wouldn't life be a tad bit simpler? With that same logic, Paytm Money has made it a little bit simpler for you to drive away your fear of investing. The free risk assessment tool on the Paytm Money app helps you determine your risk profile, so you know just what funds you should be investing in. All you need to do is answer a few questions and get to know your risk level in minutes. Once you know how much risk you can afford to take, you can explore from the top-rated funds on the platform and invest accordingly. So now you can live fearless, breathe easy, or investments के लिए Paytm Money है ना? On this episode of Paisa Paisa, the investment framework special, my guest Kalpen Parikh, DSP Mutual Fund. We are going to talk about how investment frameworks they actually work, how they're defined, why they're important, and why the structure is really critical to a mutual fund when they make their investment decisions. Don't go anywhere. This is a really interesting episode about an important aspect of mutual funds and of investments. Coming up next. Do you wish you were smarter? Well, so do we. But the next best thing, we could make you sound smarter. And to help you with this endeavor, we are Simplified, Ooh. a podcast uh, that attempts to break down the complex world around you with a little knowledge, a lot of poor jokes, and a ton of random trivia. Episodes out every Monday on the IVM Podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. See ya. Folks, welcome to Paisa Paisa. I'm your host Anupam Gupta, B50 on Twitter, and regular listeners will know that I love returning guests, and so I'm absolutely thrilled to welcome back Kalpen Parikh, President DSP Mutual Fund. He was with us back in April 2018, doing a nice master class in mutual funds. Hey, if you're new to mutual funds, believe me, you should go listen to all those three episodes. When Kalpen is chilled out, you will understand mutual funds better than anything else. So just check that out. Kalpen, welcome back to Paisa Paisa. Thank you so much for doing this. For us, so you were here back in April 2018, and now we are, you know, in Feb 2020. I would say about two years have have gone by, and these two years have been momentous. 2018 April, we are looking at what when the mid cap small cap rally started to unravel, people were worried and all that, and now we are now, you know, we are at a place where the Nifty has even gone up, and whatever is happening. Let's start from a point of your perspective on these last two years, because I really love, you know, your Twitter timeline. Where you bring a lot of historical things into perspective, okay? So for someone, you know, who wants to get a a kind of a backdrop into our main crux of our discussion, frameworks. Let's just start from this point. How have the last two years been? What's happening? Thanks, Anupam, for having me back. I like uh, chatting with you late <laughs> in the evening, post the noisy market yes, hours. You can chill and, out uh, and talk without any tickers or any breaking news. Cup of tea in your office <laughs> is amazing. So that's one of my temptation. Sure. Apart from uh, talking to you. So uh, the last two years have been no different than any period of two years, uh, because uh, one very simple core belief, uh, which I believe in, which my company DSP believes in, is that markets fluctuate, and the last two years have only uh, demonstrated that in ample. They have amplified those fluctuations, as you rightly said. Two thousand eighteen, in fact, two thousand seventeen was a year of uh, euphoric upsides. Two thousand eighteen was uh, sharp corrections. 2019 was uh, confusion and consolidation, and post September 2019, after the government announced uh, tax cuts, uh, there has been some bit of stabilization in the markets, and uh, good companies have started moving up. So, uh, but all in all, uh, in this phase, uh, what has happened 
is uh, uh, you know a lot of volatility in the underlying uh, economic environment and uh, strong companies becoming stronger and taking advantage of um, all the volatility in their sectors and that is reflecting in the way they are capturing profitability from relatively uh, weaker companies which is also getting reflected in the stock market so uh, i don't uh, believe in uh, labels like large caps are good and mid caps are not good or vice versa or mm-hmm. large caps are safe and mid caps are risky i've always said that good companies are good and bad companies are bad and every segment of the market will have good and bad companies so last two years have amplified this thought that um, the world is uncertain Yeah, uh, interest rates are at um, you know unusual uh, all-time lows. Mm. Uh, in our careers, we have never uh, witnessed what next from uh, you know zero rates. And if rates can go down further to minus two or minus three, I don't know. Yeah. Can this move up from here? So there are these uh, you know obvious question marks of how will the you know cost of capital change uh, at zero cost of capital globally or at six percent interest rates in India. companies which have uh, 15 to 20% return ratios tend to look more attractive so more and more money is chasing them and uh, in these two years uh, what has also happened is um, uh, savers in india consumers in india uh, have also started respecting the fact that we should save we should save in a disciplined manner um, i like your podcast because uh, you are doing a great job in you know helping all segments of consumers towards their approach to financial services thank products thank you for saying that thank and, you and uh, helping them take decisions by you know exposing them to uh, you know pros and cons of every category so uh, while markets have been volatile and have been fluctuating investors also at large have started demonstrating a sense of discipline that our job is to invest our duty is to invest invest for long term take advantage of um you know ups and downs in markets and uh, stay you know true to their course so what we have seen is um, more and more investors uh, you know coming in investing we also saw in the year of 2019 uh, investors who invested in 16 17 18 in rising markets turn extremely anxious mm. when you know the price fall or the nav fall of 2019 uh, took away a lot of the early returns and um, you know uh, weak investors exited um, and uh, disciplined investors continued and today they are realizing the value of continuing so in summary what i'll say is that uh, these two years have shown three directions of the market rising markets falling markets and flat markets uh, the history of markets is only these three directions mm. they uh, you know go nowhere then there are times they go down and there are times they go up the trend in the long term is up investors who understand this simple philosophy uh, behave like investors the rest will be passengers who will come in and get out and um, accordingly market will reward uh, passengers differently and um, investors who remain invested differently yeah, i hope to be among the you the already investors. are i have been I, doing this for 20 years I, now i i have been doing that and more importantly my 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 sip with dsp midcap fund is intact thank you we i hope to do justice to your i mind. have not withdrawn it i've increased i've i've in fact increased okay. the allocation to it uh, hopefully because it just fits in so well with my objectives sure. so kalpin let's get into the main topic um, of our show today right because um, it's a simple question why frameworks important just to put some historical perspective into this like you said you know we've been seeing this market now for a very long time there was a period you know when actually even now india is seen as a bottom up market you have stock picking is important this is important that is important you don't look at the macro trends and and stuff like that there was a time when fund managers didn't have any framework bas aap subah uthe maybe you you know you're scanning through hundreds of balance sheets and one looks good and you take a call ki chalo let's 
invest in this company till today where i believe a lot of the mutual fund houses want to build institutional capacity they are saying that even if fund managers leave no problem the process remains the process is more important than the fund manager so walk our listeners through this how you know what are frameworks why are they important while uh, i'll answer that before that let me comment on your comment that processes are more important than personality i i feel it's very fashionable and nice to say that to in a way create an illusion of comfort mm. but truly speaking processes are also defined and uh, designed by personalities so uh, a good fund manager will design good processes a uh, bad fund manager will design bad processes so mm. nothing really operates with uh, you know extreme randomness so uh, the need for process is uh, the need for institutionalization on one hand but the need for process or rules or frameworks is to 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 recognize that there are so many moving parts in um, in in the world today uh, there were many moving parts in the world 20 years back also but the response mechanism to that has evolved over time and um, you know these moving parts were not impacting us 20 years back as much as today because of the speed of um, speed at which data travels mm. and the quantum of data that travels so if so many data points are you know visible to us which makes sense and which don't make sense uh, we all need certain anchors to make decisions to make decision making more uh, scientific to make decision mo- making more uh, rational is where the role of uh, rules and frameworks becomes extremely important in our life also we follow certain rules right uh, we we each one of us has personal rules uh, around health around our lifestyle around the way we manage our money the way we deal with situations in life we all have our own personal anchors sure. so we feel that um, a lot of these anchors are also applied when we manage money and i'm sure most fund managers do that uh, it's not that dsp is unique in that sure. what dsp is trying to do is to articulate them more transparently and lay it out yeah. for two reasons one for um, investors like you to understand us better but more importantly to hold ourselves more accountable to what we say hmm. so if we say that this is the style in which we manage money we want to ensure that we stick to that at all points in time and it will also allow investors to then choose uh, different products in dsp at different points in time uh, as a large fund house with 23 year history and with a wide range of products uh, each product uh, is like um, you know you go to a multi cuisine uh, restaurant there yes. are different uh, types of food you know you have indian you have south indian you have italian you have continental you have mexican gujarati uh, and gujarati. i love that food yeah, i have to go home soon and have it again <laughs> so uh, th- there are styles Uh, frameworks allow us to clarify these styles and to lay out very transparently to our investors and to advisors and decision makers like you that what do these styles mean sure and how are each different funds managed okay so now you know before we go into the break i want to talk about the dsp related specific stuff the framework that you have because sure. um i was on a website uh, i have been your own twitter handle you you know you also put out a, a links to philosophies that dsp mutual fund follow so can you make this more specific sure. stuff that dsp actually does because i saw some fascinating stuff on the mid cap fund and on the small cap fund where you know maybe maybe 10 20 years ago there was no framework like this ki this is you know this should be the working capital this should be the roc this should be the sales growth etc etc so can you let's just make this uh, specific to dsp sure so see dsp i am very fortunate to have uh, four very experienced uh, senior portfolio managers uh, and they have broadly uh, you know four uh, different styles uh, 
for example, Vineet uh, focuses on small and mid-cap companies and he also heads our equity platform. His preference for building companies with a mindset of long-term wealth creation is companies which respect capital, uh, managements which respect capital, and with a lot of emphasis of on uh, you know quality of accounts, quality of uh, uh, you know earning statement, because in small and mid-cap uh, chances of accidents are high. So while one says that you know small and mid-caps can create a lot of wealth, but they can also create a lot of accidents. Uh, we always want to be balanced when we tell our investors that um, you know the speed at which small caps and mid-caps go up, at the same speed they can go down, and uh, you know you the the quality of governance and uh, accounting standards and uh, statements are very important. So we need to ring fence against that. So that's an approach that sure, we follow. Sure, sure. Then we have Atul Bhole who manages, uh, you know, a large range of our multi-cap and hybrid funds. His design or thinking is, uh, you know, to largely stick to, you know, the leaders in every industry, the top quality companies and, um, uh, you know, give a lot of time to them because as long as those companies are executing well and growing market share and profitability, don't interrupt their compounding. It's a simple rule. Uh, don't unnecessarily interfere in the journey of compounding. Sure. So his portfolio will largely be polarized around such companies. Then we have, uh, you know, Gopal Agarwal, who uh, does a lot of, you know, macro uh, thinking and linkages in terms of uh, what is the likely impact of commodities, of currencies, of interest rates, and basis that these are the few sectors and companies likely to do well. Mm. Uh, at the same time, um, he is reasonably valuation conscious. Okay. Uh, okay. He looks for margin of safety looks for free cash flows mm. um, and designs a portfolio. And then we have a fourth style, which is opportunistic, which Rohit manages, where he'll, he'll be largely a blend of these three. Rohit Singhania. Rohit Singhania. So it'll be a blend of broadly these three styles, depending on his perspective. So our whole thought, and, and then around these four, the core principles are, uh, you know, um, if uh, companies, if cost of capital in India is around 8 to 9%, and... Um, then you add inflation and stuff like that. Mm. Companies which generate 15 to 20% uh, ROCs on a sustainable basis are the ones which will ideally... Enough to cover your cost um, of capital. Yeah, and um, and beat that and beat meaningfully that, yeah. will be the ones which will help us beat inflation over a long period of time. Yeah. And uh, they'll be able to navigate all market cycles, business cycles reasonably well. And companies which respect capital, which do not leverage and get into accidents. So those principles remain core. Hmm. But what are the finer nuances? For example, Atul's portfolio, uh, which is uh, largely reflective of high quality companies in a period like this, hmm. will actually probably look very good in performance, but will also have reasonably, uh, you know, highly valued companies. Sure. But he doesn't mind owning richly valued companies for a long period of time. And he says, I don't have... Uh, the mindset to constantly, you know, keep shuffling between quality and then relatively cheaper companies, but maybe relatively weaker business models. So mm. I, I would stick to this theme. Okay. On the other hand, uh, 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 Gopal might say that, uh, you know, the company may not be the best. It may be the second best in its sector, but sure. if it's available at some margin of safety, let me own that. Sure. So these are different preferences each manager has. All we are trying to say is, uh, you know, we want to articulate this upfront. So you as an investor then can pick and choose. So there could be investors who are conscious of valuation. Yeah. They may go to the value style portfolios. There are investors who say, I, even I don't want that. I want only quality. They can come to the quality style portfolio. And likewise. Okay. So last question before we go into the break. Quant fund. Sure. Tell us about that. Okay. So the quant fund is, uh, is an attempt uh, to, you know, capture the good investment principles that our portfolio managers over time have, you know, built not just DSP managers, but, you know, some of the principles of investing are timeless and, you know, known world over. 
which is good companies, good capital allocation, reasonable margin of safety. And if you get all of these, don't, uh, you know, uh, act too much. <laughs> yeah. Just be pa- patient. Buy and, and hold. Hold yeah. for yeah. long. Yeah. Uh, we felt that there is a big need to design a fund with these principles and then minimize or remove our investment biases or personal mm-hmm. biases. So the corn fund is nothing but the coding of good rules. So we looked at BSE 200 over the last 16 years that data was available and we said, what are the companies, uh, what are the characteristics of companies which have not created wealth? What are the characteristics of companies which have not compounded uh, at a significant run rate? And the characteristics were either poor management or poor capital allocation or very high leverage Mm. or very high stock price volatility or, uh, you know, um, governance issues, forensic red flags. So we started by elimination. So the design of Quant Fund is first eliminate. Right. Right. And uh, the mindset is that if companies can survive and last rather than thinking of returns first, it is about survival. Okay. Such companies will hopefully compound at a better run rate. And that's the design of Quant Fund. So first elimination. Sure. And then uh, what is left out of BSE 200, 110 companies get eliminated. The 90 which are left are then taken through three pillars on uh, uh, capital efficiency, mm. on um, you know lev- low leverage, on um, a growth rate above a certain threshold run rate, and two factors on valuation. One is price to free cash flow. And uh, the other one is dividend yield. Sure. So companies which look good on all these five parameters automatically become a part of the portfolio. And of course, all of this is available on your website. So all these details are very transparently are captured. So if someone wants to know how does this fund run, Mm. you don't need to talk to me on that. (laughs) You can just go and see the detailed document. So we've opened up the design of the quant fund uh, for whoever wants to evaluate. Actually get into that and see the details. Folks, that is a wrap on this first part of our uh, investment framework special with Kalpen Parekh, president at DSP Mutual Fund. When we come back on the other side, we're going to discuss the hairy stuff. When frameworks collapse, when frameworks go wrong, believe me, that stuff also happens. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another awesome week on the IVM Podcast Network. I hope you're all safe this week. Coronavirus hasn't stopped us here at IVM yet. And it is our fifth anniversary. You should be aware of that. And we'd like to thank ourselves for that. We'd like to thank our sponsors this week, HDFC Life and Paytm Money. Sponsors make this stuff possible. If you work for a brand which you think would benefit from sponsoring show on IVM, please do reach out to us. We appreciate that. On Advertising is Dead, Varun is joined by Sarvesh Shashi, founder and CEO at Sarva, to talk about how he got into yoga, his Guruji's seven-year challenge for him, and how Jennifer Lopez, yes, the Jennifer Lopez, ended up investing in his dream. On IVM Likes, Alika, Antrik, and Sumit talk about some weird and bizarre shows and movies that they've seen. Uncle Please said just launched last week. On the first episode, Joel and Tushar debunked some common myths around the world middle class in their unique and satirical way. This week, listen to them talk about food and all the disinformation around it. On Geek Fruit, Tejas and Dinkar just saw Pixar's new movie Onward. Tune in to find out what they thought of it. On Absolutely Right, Aditi is joined by Rachel Lopez. They dive into her personality by analyzing her handwriting. On the Empowering series, Zarina is joined by Rohit Taparia, Vice President of Israva and Lohono Stays. They talk about the journey of an entrepreneur in the luxury home segment. And with that, let's get you back to your shows. And welcome back to the Investment Framework Special with Kalpin Parek, President at DSP Mutual Fund. In the first part, we spoke about the concept of a framework and how DSP has a lot of nice detailed stuff, detailed frameworks on which their fund managers make their decisions. Like I said, in the first part, that you can check out the website uh, DSP Mutual or just Google DSP Mutual DSPIM.com and you'll get all these frameworks in nice detail, lengthy PDFs. I just had to had a look at the mid-cap framework and the small-cap framework and believe me, they're really detailed. Everything that Kalpin said 
interested and much more can you can have a look at all of that there okay um, so kalpen now let's get into some hairy stuff okay frameworks and all are great all of us uh, really like the fact that you can define certain factors into a package and make a scheme out of it and you know uh, and it actually works let's get into the tricky part okay because you know i know there are stocks there are companies actually not stocks there are companies which looked great which still are great but whatever reason one could be either the economy goes for a toss and they get hit they are just collateral damage and what used to trade at 50 60 p now with an ms that i think we can handle the corporate governance issue now what i want to ask you specifically how does your framework manage for this issue of okay. corporate governance going wrong and your fund managers you know experience coming into all this let's start with that so great question first of all again just clarifying frameworks don't mean that the fund is run like a machine these are frameworks designed by the fund manager himself these are his belief systems and it also means that these are broadly the anchors that he looks at but he's still the driver and he's still watching companies watching promoters their actions every day so we keep looking at data points and um, what we also uh, want to clarify is that in the long run frameworks good frameworks well tested well evidenced operating around core long term principles can be a source of alpha but there can be periods of time when great frameworks or good frameworks can also underperform so for example if the framework is about you know investing in quality companies and companies with free cash flow and low leverage and high rocs but there can be phases in time like 2007 you know large rally driven by infrastructure stocks or 2017 rally driven by small and mid cap stocks a framework cannot capture that uh, and a framework has to be okay to let it pass as long as we are fine with the long term cycle what we also say is that you know at least 70% of the portfolio should be framework driven max can be 100% choice of the fund manager but we leave room a very practical room for 30% of the portfolio 0 to 30% of the portfolio mm. which can be companies outside the framework but close to the framework we will never compromise by going at a far distance but we allow for companies which in the next 3 years can become a part of the framework so just as a small example uh, you know there was a phase in time when uh, in the banking industry stocks like icici bank or axis bank were going through price correction because of a uh, change in management uh, you know recognition of npas and the corporate uh, loan cycle hmm. uh, going bad but a lot of it was getting in the price and uh, the management intent uh, when the new management took over and started recognizing all these npas and cleaning up gave us an indication that these companies which are at sub uh, at single digit roes eventually will come back to double digit roes and two years down the line can become my framework company but today because they are not they are mm. also available cheap ah. is a practical call that we can take and we do take and there are times these calls work for us there are times they don't work for us but at large as long as you know 60 70% of the calls work for us we are largely happy hmm. in investing there is no perfect science <laughs> and you cannot ignore avoid some of the accidents no doubt accidents do happen governance accidents do happen we have learned from in fact in our framework note we have highlighted what are the errors we have made uh, we are happy we we urge uh, you know your uh, listeners to read through that specific names you've taken i really yeah. really like that it's not something that you read very often in sure. uh, these information documents tell me see the uh, reason why we want to do that is um, uh, you know we recognize that uh, in the long run equity funds deliver great returns but to earn those great returns you have to live through great periods of uh, corrections as mm. well mm. and we want to prepare our investors for periods when things don't go as expected and things will go wrong 
there is nothing which will only go up so how do we solve for governance issues uh, when we realize that you know some set of companies do have these type of challenges we said that let us strengthen our approach of looking at these such companies sure. so we you know we created a new role uh, within our investment team so while we have a 10 member analyst team um, supporting our fund management team we created a new role called skeptical analyst ha huh. and Very interesting the, job of this role uh, is to have a second layer of check huh. to what our teams uh, you know really are more confident on uh, to try and look at things a bit cynically a bit skeptically hmm. using a lot of forensic filters wow. and thanks to uh, you know experience and a um, lot of data techniques you are able to get first cut filters on red flags and you know companies where uh, accounting numbers are different and cash flow numbers are different so hmm. there are a series of checks and balances that we look for mm. and then this person you know presents his view on the recommendations that we have if there are any deviations and then the analyst team and the fund manager team eventually takes a call so the idea is to minimize these risks the intent is not to have accidents but in investing i would um, be lying if i say <laughs> that we will never have accidents we do make errors we do make our mistakes we have made enough in the past but we learn from them what we try to do is reflect and learn from them and the role of the skeptical analyst is to help us fast track that journey scary guys skeptical analyst in my cell side days if i had someone like that me to band baj jate you know because i am writing my nice you know buy or sell this sure. report and if that has to run through someone like that uh, it would so be interesting an attempt towards um, strengthening of risk management sure and uh, trying to ring fence uh, by minimizing errors okay so before i go into the to the last question i want to ask the reverse of this okay we've spoken about how you know maybe something goes wrong and corporate sure. governance disaster happens or not what happens when a company does much better than what you expected and essentially the stock just stops going down okay okay i mean okay not literally stops going down but we know it's like what you had opened this recording with that we've seen that strong companies are becoming stronger in the process some of them are trading at valuations which you'll say bhai how do i justify this yeah you know whether it's nine times book whether it's some triple digit pe if you remember back in the in the tech days we used to deal with something like this what happens there because i know that a big part of your uh, the framework document deals with when to sell yeah so can you just take our listeners through this important aspect because there might be some of us who would actually be wanting the same thing bhai aap bechte kabo Sure. So you know, one if a company drops out of the framework is one of the trigger to sell. So if you deeply uh, analyze what you highlighted in the framework, there are some seven or eight broad principles that company should have such so and so return ratio, so and so ROCs, so and so debt to equity. If a company crosses any of these threshold, then the fund manager starts evaluating it. Is it uh, temporary or mm-hmm. is it structural? And if it looks structural, then we you know try to eliminate that company. Uh, valuation is one of the parameters um, uh, in the framework so when companies cross certain thresholds of valuations we do two things if if its core business is still continuously doing well and is an industry which is underpenetrated and the runway is very long yeah. um, sometimes the other school of thought is you know don't get out of a great business mm-hmm. because there are very few great businesses and to come back again becomes a huge bias so another way in which we deal with high valuation at times is to change the weights Okay. of the company okay. and rebalance so for every uh, bajaj finance in our portfolio <laughs> yeah. which continues to massively surprise on execution from an upside point of view 
uh, we also had uh, an Axis Bank and ICICI Bank in the mm-hmm. portfolio, which at that point in time were cheaper than what it is right now. Okay. So the beauty of any portfolio approach is that it can balance. Okay. And okay. you have you can you know build a portfolio with a combination of valuation and uh, quality. Understood. So now, Kalpen, last question of our recording. Let's bring this home to our listeners. Sure. Let's answer what I am assuming some of the listeners might have. That how does this help me? Like if I am someone who has you know, and either an SIP running or if I'm choosing my asset allocation, how can you give me a framework? Can you help me develop a framework that helps me achieve my financial goals? Because that's what any mutual fund should do for you, right? No. Why? <laughs> okay, I'll tell you why. Um, uh, someone I like uh, to read a lot, Morgan Housel, he says uh, personal finance is more personal and less finance. Okay. So uh, every individual needs his own personal framework. Uh, I cannot tell you what should be your uh, way of life. You have to design for yourself. We are manufacturers. We can tell you how we manage money. But when I you know, start giving you guidance on how to manage your personal money, I'm becoming your advisor. Mm. I'm getting into the shoes of an investment advisor or a distributor. And there is, is a role for that, but it's not you. I can't do justice to that because I don't know you well. Obviously. Uh, and let's say there are millions of investors who have different time horizons, different risk appetite, mm. different um, stage of learning of investing. So it's easy for me to give a very simplistic answer to this, but I will do injustice sure. to our uh, you know, listeners. So my uh, response to this is, let me apply this to myself. Sure. What would I do? And, and and I draw from my experience of 22 years of making mistakes and then learning from them is the first thumb rule is find a great advisor mm. who is aligned to your interest and is keen to make your money grow and understand you better. That's the first, first step of a framework yeah, for yeah. Uh, an investor. And the second rule I have is that there are broadly four asset classes that we as, um, you know, common citizens of India can access, you know, Indian companies, global companies, Indian bonds, mm. and gold. Mm. And let's say real estate, which I'm assuming is more for living. So keep that aside. Keep because, that aside. You know, that's not a financial asset. Yeah. So the other four assets that one can Just to recap, there's Indian stocks, Indian bonds, foreign? Global stocks and uh, gold. Gold. Let's say yeah. if these are the broad four asset classes. Uh, if you look back uh, at long-term history, each of them have uh, their phase uh, in in glory. But in the long run, uh, data and evidence says that equities beat bonds uh, significantly. Okay. Uh, so the starting point is that if you want to earn more than bonds, be in equities. But data also shows that equity has uh, drawdowns every three years. Mm. And every 10 years, there's a 40% correction. Every five years, there's a 30% Some correction. Number, yeah, yeah. So it will fall. So if an investor is expecting that I will not get that fall, mm. I can assure you will not get that upside also. Mm. So it's a given. I would urge investors to start you know, repeating it every day that corrections are a part of this game. Mm. There is no way in which one can eliminate or avoid them. The best way to avoid corrections is not to invest. Ah, and, okay. <laughs> uh, uh, and, you know, be happy with below inflation sort of returns. So corrections, uh, you know, Nick Murray said it very nicely that all corrections are temporary. All upsides are permanent. Hmm, hmm. And that is why eventually in the long run, equities beat bonds. Then there are phases when, uh, you know, uh, we get into very uncharted territory like zero rates or negative rates. Um, and if, if one is worried that what will happen if paper assets lose value, that's when gold becomes a safe haven mm. and protects. And, you know, gold, for example, for the last seven, eight years has gone nowhere. So my personal framework is to respect an asset class which 
for long has done nothing hmm. but also has drivers of return so i like equities more when they fall than right. they rise yeah. uh, i like bonds more when their prices fall and interest rates rise i like gold more when gold prices fall rather than when they rise so uh, it took me 12 years to realize that if i can celebrate corrections and mm-hmm. feel great when asset prices fall is when my portfolios will feel great in the future how easy or tough is it to actually actually it's very easy uh, uh, if you make that switch in the mind okay. and it's easy for someone who is going to earn money every month for many more decades sure so we most of us are salaried uh, uh, you know individuals and we earn our salaries every month mm. so if we can take advantage of falling prices uh, by investing every month and prices are falling it's always good because you are acquiring so you know i always look at it this way that am i what am i doing with my salary i'm acquiring units every month i'll be happy if i acquire more units hmm. but i can get more units only when prices fall For not current, when they rise yeah. now when prices rise my um, accumulated portfolio will feel good hmm. but my future accumulation will get a price for yeah, it obviously. and vice versa so it's a function of which phase of your life cycle you are in if i'm in accumulation phase i like falling markets um, for my father who is not in the accumulation phase anymore who who has already you know who's in retirement phase he would like rising prices so here is where the role of a personal coach becomes important sure. and your portfolio allocation can be tweaked accordingly do you actually think that people are increasingly going to an advisor uh rather than getting the information from the internet and so stuff there are like two types of uh, consumers uh-huh. there are few who believe they can uh, you know manage money on their own um, and then there are many so the ratio today is 90 10 90% investors still invest mm. with an advisor because the concept of investing still is an early discovery stage it is it is because yeah. you know we are not mature investors yeah. at large um so it is in a stage of early discovery and only advisors do that job of you know developing the market and highlighting the concepts of good investing habits and on that note of good investing habits folks it is a wrap on the investment framework special with dsp mutual fund my guest the awesome kalpen parekh president of dsp mutual fund where do you get your tweet from there always there's always something to think about aapko tweet dalte na mujhe usme kuch na kuch to sochna hi padta hai usme ki am i doing this right am i doing it wrong where does that thinking come from i think my own mistakes <laughs> and you've been generous enough to mention one morgan ausel who has been a guest of paisa paisa and nick mcgilley i think nick murray huh nick murray nick murray okay yeah so uh, who i don't know maybe i can uh, reach out to him i have no idea about that but it's always good when you have references uh, to other people's work and uh, on that note kalpen thank you so much for your time for this lovely evening that we spent we hope to have you again sure. in our studio folks that that is a wrap on the show my guest kalpen parik president dsp mutual fund kalpen thank you so much for doing this for us thank you anupam no material on the show should be considered as financial advice the material on the show is for informational purposes only please consult a financial advisor before taking any investment decision advertising is dead yep you heard me right advertising is dead we're all in the content business now let's not call it news tv radio etc etc it's all content and we're in the middle of this weirdly exciting phase where all the borders and lines that have been drawn over decades has been swept away by this lovely thing called the internet we're a show where we don't dwell on just the stuff that is now but rather the wider stuff about advertising media content and the whole goddamn circus surrounding it Tune in every Tuesday for our weekly unboxing of the mystery box we used to call advertising. I'm Varun Dugirala, co-founder and content chief at The Glitch, and this is my new podcast, Advertising is Dead. 
Filter coffee is a fascinating beverage. You need to pick the right beans, blend them in the right proportion, roast them to perfection, and slow brew at the right temperature to get the perfect cup. Which is exactly like great conversations as well. You need to track down the most interesting minds, get them into their zone, and settle down for an unhurried, unscripted chat. And coffee for me is always, always, always best enjoyed with friends. I'm Karthik Nagarajan, and do share my table as I meet some of the most interesting people I know and sit them down for a strong cup of coffee and an even stronger conversation. Join me every Wednesday for a freshly brewed episode. This is not frappe. This is the Filter Coffee Podcast. Filter Coffee.